The problem with pelvic fractures. A pelvic fracture involves damage to the hip bone, sacrum, or coccyx, the bony structure forming the pelvic ring. Due to the inherent structural and mechanical integrity of this ring, the pelvis is a highly stable structure. Therefore, fractures of the pelvis occur most commonly in the setting of a high-impact trauma and are associated with additional fractures or injuries elsewhere in the body. Certain types of pelvic fractures do not disrupt the pelvic ring, such as the iliac wing fractures, which can typically be managed without operative intervention. Similarly, fractures of the acetabulum are a frequent occurrence, occurring at the, in the setting of high-energy trauma. Hip dislocations and falls to the elderly are studied in detail, classified by the anatomy of the fracture. Although high-impact injuries are more commonly associated with pelvic fracture, they can occur in the setting of a low-impact injury as well. Low-impact injuries are seen more frequently in adolescents and injuries. Adolescents get pelvic fractures typically as a result of athletic injuries, such as avulsion fractures of superior or inferior iliac spines or apophyseal avulsion fracture of the iliac wing or, wing or ischial tuberosity. And in the elderly, as a result of falls while ambulating, stable fractures of the pelvic ring or insufficiency fractures of the sacrum or anterior pelvic ring. High-impact studies occur most commonly in the setting of motor vehicle accidents uh, or falls from significant height. In the United States, it is estimated that pelvic fractures occur 37 out of 100,000 individuals per year. The incidence is highest in those between the ages of 15 and 28 years old. Under the age of 35, men are more commonly affected, while over 35, women are more commonly affected. Injuries to the pelvis signify a high-energy mechanism of injury and therefore a thorough trauma evaluation is needed. Pelvic ring fractures are commonly associated with injury to the axial or appendicular spine. Therefore, the spine and extremities should also be examined, assessing for limb length disparities and obvious angular or rotational deformities. Neurovascular structures crossing the pelvis may also be involved with injuries to the pelvis and a thorough initial neurological examination is critical for appropriate management and monitoring. Medical practitioners should carefully follow the hemodynamic status of patients with pelvic fractures as there is frequently concomitant blood loss even in closed fractures. Intraabdominal bleeding is present in up to 40% of cases, but there is also maybe intrathoracic, retroperitoneal, or compartmental bleeding in such injuries. Within the pelvis, bleeding is usually caused by shearing of the venous plexus and can lead to hematomas holding up to 4 liters of blood. Posterior pelvic fractures may also result in arterial injury to the superior glute gluteal artery, which constitutes a surgical emergency. Assessment of soft tissue injuries may provide further insight into the degree of impact sustained by the patient. It is particularly important to assess for lacerations of the perineum, rectum, or vagina, as this would indicate severe injury and fractures potentially contaminated by urine, stool, or other environmental contaminants. Perianal ecchymosis and swelling are often signs of a pelvic fracture. Neurologic injuries associated with pelvic fractures typically are at the, at the uh, L5 or S1 roots. If there are any sacral root involved, this may include the S2 and S5 sacral nerve root injuries could result in bowel or bladder incontinence and sexual dysfunction. Alerting features suggesting significant pelvic injury during examination include deformity, bruising, swelling over bony prominences, pubis, perineum or scrotum, leg length discrepancy or rotational deformity of a lower limb without fracture in that extremity may be evident. Wounds over the pelvis or bleeding from the patient's rectum, vagina, or urethra may indicate an open pelvic fracture. Neurological abnormalities may be rarely present. 
in the lower limbs after a pelvic fracture. Discrete rectal vaginal bleeding or a high-riding prostate will not be detected in the pre-hospital environment. In the alert-oriented cooperative patient with no distracting injury, it will be possible for the pre-hospital practitioner to ask the patient about the presence of pain in the pelvic area, including the lower back, assessing the sacroiliac joint, groin, and hips. Any positive reply should come for routine immobilization of the pelvis. In the absence of any symptoms or signs of pelvic fracture as described above, discharge from the scene is an option, provided there are no other injuries requiring transfer to a hospital. In the case of the unresponsive trauma patient, the pelvis should not be palpated for tenderness or instability. Successful realignment of open book fr fractures with basic methods of applying circumferential bed sheet were first described in case reports of one patient in 1997 and two patients in 2002. The authors acknowledged that the use of bed sheets was an inexact and in irreproducible method. There were no control over how tightly the bed sheet should be applied. They are sometimes a challenge to secure with sufficient reduction of force, and it is not certain whether overcompression of fractures could occur from using this method. Pneumatic anti-shock garments, known as military or medical anti-shock trousers or G-suits, have been a popular choice for the split of a pelvic fracture. However, their use restricts critical access to the abdominal and pelvic area. They are difficult to apply and do not allow for controlled pelvic reduction. Prospective randomized studies have shown uh, any definite benefits by in reducing mortality or hospital intensive care length of stay, and there are potential complications from their use related to the compression of the lower extremities and abdomen. An improvised use of splints, which has been suggested, is to use a Kendrick extrication device slid under the patient upside down with the head support towards the feet and the strap secured around the waist. This also does not use a specific amount of tension. Pre-hospital use of a Pelvic compression belt device can be applied by paramedics at an accident scene within three seconds on clinical suspicion of unstable pelvic fractures. A variety of commercial material compression splints have been manufactured. Examples include the Stewart splint, the London splint, the Dallas pelvic binder, and the trauma pelvic or orthotic device. They are generally applied to the, a, at the level of the greater trochanter symphysis pubis directly on the patient's skin. Pre-hospital management of a suspected pelvic fracture should adhere to the following principles. Read the mechanism of injury. Ask the alert patient about the presence of pain in the pelvis, back, and groin reasons, and routinely mobilize the pelvis if there's any positive reply. Examination is unreliable, especially if reduced Glasgow coma scale or distracting injuries, and the pelvis should not be palpated to avoid further internal hemorrhage. If there's any suspicion of fracture, immobilize the pelvis using an external compression splint, commercial, modified, or bed sheet. Do not fully log roll the patient. Use a scoop stretcher to facilitate the patient's movement to a spinal board or vacuum mattress for transport. In the emergency department, this process should be reversed. Fluid resuscitation to maintain a radial pulse only. And do not remove a pelvic splint in the presence of a suspected unstable pelvic injury until it is radiologically confirmed that there is no fracture or the patient is in a theater.